Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode of the Nick Pop Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new set of windows, a new door can do a lot of things. You can change the feeling, the vibe, and the look of your home. Plus, it can make your home more energy efficient. Plus, it can add value to your home as well. Pella checks all those boxes, so now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And by my good friends at Runza, you know, in basketball, it's all about killer combos, pick and roll, give and go, Fred Hoiberg and versatile three-point shooters. Combos make life better, and Runza makes it all better, including the classic combo chili and cinnamon rolls, the best sweet and spicy combo to hit the Midwest since Greg and Doug McDermott. Here's what you do. Alley-oop that cinnamon roll from your left hand to your right hand, then dunk it in that homemade chili, and there's nowhere that does it like Runza. So get there today, get your chili and cinnamon roll game right, and tell them your friend Nick Ba sent you. All right, a uh, couple of things uh, to to discuss before we get into the pod. A couple of reminders. I've officially launched Husker Classic Recaps. It's 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 off and running. Bo Rude and I are watching and recapping one classic Husker football game each week for the next 13 weeks. There's obviously a huge Husker football void right now, and we're filling it with Husker classics. Episode one is up. It is the 1997 Nebraska at Missouri game. The the flea kicker, the incredible Matt Davison catch. We had a blast watching the game and recording that podcast. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it, so make sure you go check that out. It's on the Nick Bob podcast feed, so make sure you're subscribed because you don't want to miss any of those Husker Classic recap pods. By the way, this week, it's the 1983 Orange Bowl, Nebraska and Miami. The infamous Tom Osborne goes for two game, so we'll have a full recap of that game on the podcast coming up this week, so keep an eye out for that. Again, Husker Classic recaps off and running. All right, on the podcast today, Kevin Kugler. Boy, things have moved fast. A few weeks ago uh, for Kev, in a matter of about five or six days, Kevin Kugler landed a brand new gig. He is the newest member of Fox's NFL TV coverage. And there's not a more deserving guy on the planet than Kevin, man. He'll have a full slate of NFL games on Fox each Sunday. Kevin Kugler and Chris Spielman will be on your TV screen. Uh, just super exciting stuff for Kevin. There's there's obviously a lot to talk about with with Kevin landing the job. You know what goes into broadcasting now with uh, with with COVID and all that different stuff. There's going to be uh, limited crowds or some no crowds for for some of the games he's calling how does that impact his gig uh, plus we get into Big Ten football college basketball structure predictions a bunch of good stuff so let's get to it here is my podcast chat with Fox's NFL play-by-play man my friend Kevin Cooper. Well, on the line now, he's Kevin Kugler, and he is the newest official member of Fox's NFL TV coverage. You'll see him every week on Fox calling an NFL game with Chris Spielman. 
Kevin, can I say real quick before we get into uh, you know celebrating your gig? I was going to offer you a job breaking down the classic Husker games on my podcast with me and Bo Rude. I was going to have you come to my basement. I was going to pay you in cheese runzas. It's still not too late. Are you sure you don't want to be with me and Bo in my basement instead of with Chris Mealman? Do I lost this NFL? opportunity? I mean, this is, this is bad. I mean, there have been some bad things in the pandemic, but to find out I lost a chance to hang out with you and Bo and eat cheese runzas, this is... This is the worst. I mean, my gosh, this is terrible news. I I thought for sure that I at least had that thing locked up, and now I find out that it's being just yanked out from under me. Yet another casualty of my 2020 career. Yeah, I, I you know I was nervous. I was like, do I want to tell him this, or is this going to make him? feel bad that he could have had what he always wanted, which was to hang out with me and Bo in my basement. I didn't, I just wanted to let you know that that's still on the table. You still got, when do you leave? When do you leave from San Francisco? You got, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Do you leave Thursday? I mean, you got a couple days to yeah, pull the I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave Thursday night. Uh, mostly see the Thursday night or Friday morning, depending on the location. So okay. it, you're going to have to tweak your schedule around <laughs> that. But I mean, really, yes, you know, as you know, I very rarely prep for any broadcast I do. Never. It's just sort of go in, grab a roster and see who's out there. <laughs> hey, look, Kyler Murray plays for Arizona. Who knew? Really? And then I just kind of do the game. So, yeah, I got plenty of time during the week. Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, and I'm going to put this on the tee for you. Shouldn't Bo and I probably be recapping classic Hall & Oates songs? based on what you saw oh, a couple years you, ago? I've seen the two of you in action at a Hall & Oates concert, and I know there is no duo other than Hall & Oates themselves who could break down Hall & Oates songs like oh. you and Bo. I mean, that is... And, and, and I, I can still, in my mind... In fact, I hung out with our neighbors who we went to the concert with the, uh, last night, and I'm surprised it didn't come up because every time it comes up, they laugh at the fact that they, we all stood and watched you two dancing and high-fiving the Hall of Oats songs all night long. Oh, man, that was bad. So for people that don't know, Kevin and I, we, me and Bo went to Hall of Oats. This was like a random July weekday a couple years ago, and... Kevin, when we, we could re- still go to concerts, when concerts still existed yes, in the world. kids. There used to be this thing called concerts where people would play music yeah. and you could gather around and listen to them play music. And and during one of these things called concerts, there was a, a, a dynamic duo called Hall and & Oates and, and Bo Rude and I had one too many Gatorades, I guess we'll call them. Yeah, Gatorades. We had one too many Gatorades. We were very, way too hydrated and got us way too excited. And uh, Kevin was sitting behind us and... It was not good. It was embarrassing. I mean, but I still get reminded of uh, of that night frequently from various people that were near me and Bo during that concert. Was that it good? was a it was a good night to be behind one Nicholas Allen Baugh <laughs> and one Bo Rude because it was uh, it was and I mean the the celebratory high fives were probably my favorite thing when a song would come on and inevitably it was a song you both of you knew and knew well because you knew the entire catalog and you'd look at each other like ah, high five smack smack yeah I mean it was it there is no way you would get you guys would be that excited at any sporting event ever no. I mean Creighton could win the national championship and you'd be like very nice job well done Greg McDermott well done two horn honks for you Greg McDermott and then you'd be at the Hall and Oates concert high fiving you know when Maneater comes on you're spiking the football I mean it was it was it was enjoyable. I, I I remember that night fondly. Oh God, let's move on before I, w- I wanted to let you crush me for a little <laughs> bit, but let's uh, let's move on to something that is uh, is more fun, and that is the the new gig. I mean, so you are one of what six full time play by play guys at Fox calling NFL games, and you know it's interesting, Kev. 
you and I, or maybe it's just me to you, have been kind of therapists for each other of sounding off on our misery and our anxieties of what's happening with these last couple months with the pandemic and the unknown of our jobs and sports coming back. And for you, it's had to have been really hard because then Big Ten football gets canceled, which is obviously a, an issue for a guy who works for BTN and calls <laughs> Big, Ten football. Big Ten football games. That's a problem. But then all of a sudden, boom, you are with Fox, got a full slate of NFL games. I guess just talk me through the emotions, man, of what the last couple months have been like and then getting that call from Fox, and and now you uh, you, you got a pretty exciting slate in front of you. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a weird several months, you know, not just for me, obviously, for so many of us, for you know anxiety about our jobs and all of the stuff that we do, whether it's sports casting or just in the real world. I mean, I, I'm certainly not – alone in uh, in that group of people who have been over the last five and a half months wondering what they were going to do to, you know, for their careers. And I, and I can tell you this, there was once the big 10 shut it down and I was looking at a fall of, you know, I had, I still had Westwood one. I'm still going to do a game a week on the radio for Westwood one, but I mean, that's a lot of free time during the week. And so I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was sitting around trying to figure out, all right, what can I do job wise? I mean, what do I, do I go find a job? And if so, what in the world am I qualified to do <laughs> in the actual world? Because I have really no discernible skills. So that's a concern is, you know, and, that, and let me tell you, that's a daunting task. You sit down because you know, you, you do this gig and you always know as a sportscaster or really any job, but in, in our business, especially this thing could end tomorrow. I mean, it could do some, you know, what it all takes one person to like you, one person doesn't like you, you're done. See you later. Have a nice day. And, and we all know that going into this thing, that this ride could not, you know, maybe end tomorrow, maybe it ends 30 years from now, but you hope once you get into it, you can keep it going. Never did I think that it would stop because all sports would stop. And, college sports would go away. And so I'm sitting there thinking, all right, what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to, you know, how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to keep from driving my family insane by me being around every day, wandering the house, muttering to myself. And so I'm sitting there trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? And man, that you're doing that sort of inventory of your actual skill set and you realize that your skill set involves talking about other people playing sports and if they're not playing sports that doesn't really translate well to the business world <laughs> that's a difficult proposition to deal with and so I was kind of wrestling with that and trying to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to make this go and what happened and then all of a sudden I get the chance to to join Fox for the NFL season and thankfully can push off for at least a year the idea of having to go get an accounting job or something and try to figure out how I'm going to do that. Um, considering I don't know accounting, um, <laughs> that will be a problem, but it's, uh, it, I, I was, I was pumped. I mean, you go from, and it is, it's just been this roller coaster of the last five months, you know, is the season going to start? Nope. Not going to start. Is this going to happen? Nope. That's not going to happen. What about this? Well, this will happen. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very satisfying on Sunday to put on a suit for oh. the first time since March oh. and actually go out and do a football game and broadcast some sort of sport. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I would be nervous anyway, just because, you know, it's Fox sure. and it's new stuff and it's new crew and new producer, new director, all this new stuff that I'm doing. I've worked with Chris before I've known and worked with Laura for years and she's a great friend. So I'm very excited about her being on the crew, but I, 
I, I will be nervous for a variety of reasons. One being, I have not really, other than the PGA Championship for four days in early August, I haven't broadcast a thing right. in months. So I am anxious to see what it sounds like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what it, and what I, and I keep having to tell myself, um, this is a, this is not really that big of a difference from when I normally would start football anyway. So as much of the layoff as there's been, I usually have this layoff between football games. So other than losing the preseason, um, which would have given me a chance to shake off the rust, I guess I'll shake off the rust on Sunday in San Francisco. You know, is there, is there almost a renewed sense of joy to, to do this? I mean, talk about the excitement of just putting on a suit and calling a game, but like, you, you know, it is, there's some, there's some broadcasters in our industry that have been doing it for as long as you've been doing it. And you can tell that if it's not a, you know, they're, they're not as excited uh, to, to call a ho-hum game that isn't necessarily a quote-unquote big game. You know, the one thing I've always admired about you is it doesn't matter if it's Oral Roberts and Creighton or if it's the, the Final Four or if it's a huge NFL playoff game. You seem to really enjoy what you do, but is that even, like, taken up a notch with the fact that you felt like this was almost taken away from you and you were going to have to, as you said, maybe go get a, 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 a accounting job or something like that, but now you're back wearing a headset. I have to imagine the joy is just overflowing. Uh, it, it is. It's almost, and, and you will get this, and some people will think it sounds kind of corny, but it's almost hard to contain it sometimes. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just... I don't want it to be, we had the, this, this, this is the epitome of me right now. So we had this conference called, we've had 900 zoom calls since I got this job, which has been great because you know, I, I have something to do. And one of our zoom calls was with all of the brass at Fox, you know, the mm-hmm. Eric Shanks, the head of the Fox sports division and Brad Dager and Jacob Allman, all these people who are very important in the, in the Fox NFL world. And we're, we're having this zoom call and something comes up and I just, start talking and it's like five minutes of me just I'm like so excited and I'm all fired up about the opportunity. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, like this avalanche of stuff. And yeah. my producer, Mark Teitelman's like, I didn't realize we we're having a production meeting right now. And everybody sort of chuckles. And I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. I'm a little excited about yeah. this. Cause it was just this, I don't like an avalanche of words that were all at about <laughs> 900 miles an hour because I was just so excited about, all of this, and it's my first thing, and I'm fired up. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't care, Nick, who the game is, who is playing, if the teams are great, if the teams are bad, if the teams are mediocre or somewhere else. It, it, it Honestly, it does not matter to me at all. I'm just, I'm so incredibly blessed to be in this position, to have this opportunity to do these games, to go and, and be on site to do these games. I mean, all of this stuff that was always taken for granted, you know, the fact that I was on, I don't know how many different flights last year. And in the first three months of this year, just mm-hmm. all over the place, you, you know, my schedule, it's just, yes. it's just, it's just here, 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 here. I'm everywhere. And to the joy I felt in the dumbest thing, like the other day when I opened up my, airline app yeah, on my phone yeah. and I had a flight reservation oh. and I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have flight reservations. I, I have, I've travel booked. I, I'm, I mean, the little things that I always were sort of like, Oh boy, I got yeah. on this flight. I got, it's, there's none of that now. 
it's just like, I can't wait to get on this plane. I can't wait to go on this trip. I can't wait to see these people. I can't wait to watch this football game. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. And it helps. Look, I think Arizona San Francisco is going to be a really entertaining Great. game. And I've, and I will, I will probably not always think that going into a game. Like, you know, you go into it and you're like, maybe this isn't going to be great. I think this has a chance to be a really good game. So I'm even more excited about the fact that I get to see what I think is going to be a very good football game. But it could be between two teams that are running out their, you know, all-star teams from the 1970s <laughs> yeah, in their mad. current age right now. And I'd right. be like, I'm really fired up to see this guy who has two reconstructed hips. Go out there and see what he can do on the field at the age of six. It would not matter to me at all. I'm just, and uh, and now this is like that conference call. I'm just going no, for no, like but five you're right minutes though. straight. But I'm, I am, I, I mean, it is just the joy I'm going to feel is going to carry throughout this season. There's yeah. no doubt about it because for five months it was gone and it was taken away and it, and there's no guarantees in this business that it, once it's gone it ever comes back yep. and I am, I can't wait to be there. I yeah. cannot wait to get back to work on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, what you're touching on a little bit is like, you found out the value of like purpose and all that comes with it. And, and to me, that's what you're getting at. Like I was telling Kim the other day, like, you know what I could go? I wish I could just feel even the stress of I'm landing in O'Hare. My connecting flight takes off in 20 minutes. I got to run through the airport just to make it to get to Indianapolis to call a Butler IUPUI gate. Like even just that, like I would kill for that. I would kill to run through O'Hare airport just to make, uh, make a flight to, to, to do what we do. I, what do you think? What do you think, Kevin, the key is for you in not ever getting complacent or too comfortable, or or uh, I don't I don't need to prep as hard for this game because like that's the thing is you know all that all that you're saying like I actually think your prep is going to be probably no different than it was before all this because you always it was it's it's really motivating for someone to when to to see someone that is in my industry to continue to to work and prep as hard as you do where do you think that comes from like what do you what do you think is the is the cause of like your you just don't get complacent you never have gotten too comfortable you stay grinding you stay working i will i'll be I mean, I'll be frank. Part of it is fear. Uh-huh. I mean, there is fear is a great motivator and the fear of losing your opportunity. I look, I came into this business just hoping to be able to stay in the business. I mean, when I got out of college, I didn't get a job for seven months. My hope was maybe I can stay in it. And you know, I, I tell people all the time, go the small market route to start. And it, it does, it makes you hungrier and you, you have to grind and you have to work. And, but I've just, I have this, you know, I have this fear that it's all going to come crashing down at some point. Yeah. And that's always what I've had, no matter what. And people will say, oh, come on. I, it, fear is an unbelievable motivator. Yes. It can't be your only motivation. Right. My motivation is to do a good job. My motivation is to, you know, enjoy what I do. My motivation is to serve the audience when I get into a booth. What do they need out of this game? What would I want if I'm sitting at home? All that is a motivation. But part of it is fear. And I, part of it is if you screw up, it all goes away, and the, the last five months have completely bolded that and highlighted that for me because, like I said, I, I was forced to evaluate what I do for a living if I don't have this, and I have no clue. I have no answer to that question, 
even after sitting around trying to figure out what, I mean, it was to the point where I was like, well, do I have my commercial driver's license and drive a truck? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> right. whatever it is I have to do, right. I will do. But I, I mean, it was, it's, it's that fear yeah. that keeps you going a little bit on those days where you're like, where, cause there are always those sure, days where sure. you're like, man, maybe I can, maybe I don't need to read that article or maybe I don't need to spend the next 10 minutes looking at my chart. Maybe I could just sit here and, you know, stare off into space. Yep. And those are the moments where you're like, nah, you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta keep pushing. Cause there's, you know, this is, this is, this is all temporary. Every one of us is either bound to get fired or retired in this job at some point. And so how do you keep it going? Well, you just, you try to do the very best you can in pushing and grinding and working and, and look, if I don't prep, I'm not going to be as good as it, it, to do what I need to do. So right. there's a lot of things that go into that into that cake mix, so to speak. But sure. fear is one of the many spices that you put into that thing. The fear of, you know, the fear of this could end soon. So if it, if I if I don't do the job I need to do, so I'm going to do the job I need to do so that it doesn't end. If there was a like a Kugler goal list for your career, was NFL on TV? At, at the top or close to the top? Like how much is this? Uh, not only you're, you're excited to have a gig, but like this was, uh, was this kind of a, a step that you wanted to take? How do you see it? I, I don't know, you know, because yeah. it's, it's almost, it's almost a step beyond anything that I do. You know, everything I've done to this point is almost more than I thought I would ever be able to do. I mean, I, I called, I've called NFL games on the radio since 2009. I never thought I'd be in an NFL booth. I, I called major college football for radio and TV. I never thought that would be a thing. I was just hoping to get a team job somewhere someday and, you know, maybe be the voice of, you know, fill in the blank. I, right, Iowa right. State or something. Who knows? Um, but the fact that it has progressed to this point, I don't know that it was ever really a goal, okay. but it's an unbelievable opportunity. Right. And, you know, now that I'm, now I'm going to get the chance to do it, I, I just, I can't, I can't believe that it's, I mean, to hear you introduce me as one of six guys on Fox who's doing this every week, it's, it's sort of surreal. You're like, okay, I, I that is true, but <laughs> right. it's weird to think I'm sure. one of those dudes. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it'll be, I'm, I'm unbelievably excited about, obviously, yeah. but it, I don't know that I would say that I came into this going, you know, my goal is to gotcha. be right. Right. this guy on this network doing this thing. My goal was to enjoy my job, do the very best job I could do for people who are watching this and, you know, and, and see where it takes me and where it's taken me this year has been on, you know, kind of an interesting ride, but the fact that I'm in in 2020 with the chance to do these games on Fox is, is something that I would have never expected from a year that has delivered so many disappointments for so many people. I'm very, very fortunate to be in this position you've I heard you mention earlier and I, it was a question I wrote down you've so you have worked with Chris Spielman before he's going to be your your yep. your analyst uh give me the yep. time you worked with him and what are you most excited about you know working with him every week because I will tell you he is one of my very he's he's one of the best to me I love listening to Chris call again well we when I did my Fox game two years ago uh, my first one Seattle Detroit on Fox it was me it was Chris and it was Ronnie Barber all in the in a three-man booth gotcha. and I've so enjoyed working with Chris. He's such a good dude. And that's the, the first, you, and you know this, Nick, because yeah. you're a good dude. It, it, it's so much easier to do the job if you actually like the person you're working with. I mean, we can work with people we don't like, but if, you, if it's a good dude that you're in the booth with, it's, 
it makes the job so much totally. easier. And and that first and foremost, Chris is Chris is just a good dude. Chris is so so football savvy. I mean, it's we've we've known our assignment for the last couple of weeks, and I have not gone a day without either a text or a phone call from Chris about something he's seen in tape. And I mean, Chris will know every iota about Arizona and San Francisco when we right. get into that booth on Sunday because he's had weeks to prepare for this game. So I am not the least bit – I go into this knowing that I've worked with him before, and there'll be a, there'll be a feeling out. It's one sure. game that we've done, and it was a three-man booth. So this will be a little different. But I'm confident that he and I are going to be able to find a good middle ground. We share a lot of the same ideas on how to broadcast the game. He is He's going to teach me and hopefully the audience a lot about football, and we're going to have some fun doing it. And then with Laura on our sidelines, I mean, Laura Oakman is – one of my favorite people in this business. She is the absolute consummate professional. She's one of the best interviewers I've ever been around. And she is going to add so much to it because sideline reporters this year, I think are going to play even a bigger role. They're the only ones who are going to have any sort of access and they can't, they don't have the same access that they've had in years past, but Laura is cagey and Laura will (laughs) find things out that very few people are going to be able to find out. And I think that information is going to be even more important this year because there's going to be a lot of stories outside of what happened between the white lines. There's going to be stories on the sidelines. There's going to be stories of COVID. There's going to be stories of a lot of things that Laura's going to find out. And I'm uh, to have her on the team, and I've worked with Laura for a lot of years. She and I have been on Westwood One multiple times. She actually uh, helped celebrate Cassidy, my youngest birthday, several years ago at the Pro Bowl. We all had dinner on her birthday. And it was, I mean, so she's been around my family. She's been around my wife and kids and she knows us all. And I'm the fact that she's on this crew makes my transition this year, even that much easier because I have a true friend on the crew that I've worked with so many times. So it's really a perfect scenario going into this season. What, and maybe you won't know fully until you, you go through a full process of, of going to a game and calling a game, but with with COVID and the restrictions, take me well nerd out TV wise. Like, are the crews way smaller? Are are the productions uh, and, and the amount of people that are going to be there for Fox is that reduced? Like from a from a back end standpoint, are your meetings different with coaches or players? Like how you get to kickoff, and then even what happens from a TV production standpoint after kickoff? How how much different is it right now with with the fact that we're in a pandemic? Very different. Um, it'll be the, the goal that we have in the booth is that when you're watching the game at home on Sunday, you notice no difference. Gotcha. That's because, and, and this is, this is a, we've had this conversation on our crew and it's been a conversation. I know company wide as well, but I, I don't really believe that anybody at home cares that I had to be COVID tested the day before or cares that this or this or this happened. I, they, they're there to watch the football game. And so that's, we're going to give them that, but it is very different. Our truck is going to be much, much uh, less populated okay. than it has in years past. I can't go in the truck. Okay. So you know how we'll go in a truck yeah. before or after a game to talk to the crew, you know, talk to a producer, talk. We are not allowed in the truck. Okay. That is a, we are, that's, there's different levels of your access. We are not, we are not allowed to go into that. That's clean zone for X amount of people. And we're in the Y group or whatever. Okay. So we won't go to the truck. Our meetings with coaches and players are all on zoom. Okay. So we'll go to practice. We do have access to practice for the home team on Friday. So we'll go to Niners practice. We'll watch it from afar. 
Then we'll go and have a Zoom call with the people <laughs> in the same building that we just watched the practice. Crazy. And then we'll, because, you know, the whole goal is get to get to Sunday. That's the mantra for every crew this year is get to Sunday. Get the, get the game to Sunday. Get the teams to Sunday. Get the crew to Sunday. Get to Sunday. So then Saturdays will come. We'll have our small production meeting with our producer director. Chris and I, Laura, will be there. And that'll be about it. And we'll go over tape and we'll go over ideas and we'll talk graphics and we'll do all this stuff. But all the graphics people are going to be in Los Angeles. It's all going to be a separate thing. Gotcha. So it's going to be a very different look and feel for us on the inside of the broadcast. Of course, we all get COVID tested every week. Right. But it's going to be a very different look and feel inside the broadcast. The hope is, outside of the lack of fans, that while you're watching the football game, that there will be moments where you don't realize anything is different at all where you're just watching and it's football guys are talking football. We're going down to Laura to talk football. We're coming back up to the booth talking about more football. That's the goal. And if we pull that off every week, mission accomplished, that's, we just want to be able to get each week to that game on Sunday, get the toe to the leather and kick that game off and play football for three hours and, you know, and give people a chance to just go, Oh, normalcy. This yes, is fun. Right. I like normal. Normal feel. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've had a, a rough five or six months. My job has been in flux. It's been tough on my family. I'm wanting three hours to just remember what things were like last year. Here's a football game to help me do it. And that's the hope that we can provide that every Sunday. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about Runza because they have another super secret menu item and it's quite the doozy. Today's item, it's a legend. Not Michael Jordan, not even your boy Nicholas Alibaba running point for Lincoln Southeast, but the legend supreme. It's a top secret burger you can order at Runza. And here's what's on it. Swiss cheese, ranch dressing, American cheese, lettuce, and tomato. That's two types of cheese at the same time coming at you like Stephen Clay Thompson. That's Runza's legendary ranch dressing, the Tom Osborne Ranch. That's the legend supreme, and you can only get it at Runza. And if you try to find it on the menu, you're going to be out of luck, like Russell Westbrook waiting on a pass from James Harden. It ain't going to be there. But my listeners get it because Runza's hooking you up. Just stop in and ask for it by name. The Legend Supreme, only at Runza, only on the super secret menu. Get it today and tell them Nick Baugh sent you. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella. Uh, Even though, obviously, we're still in the midst of this pandemic, Pella can safely make your window and door remodeling dreams come true. Pella's following CDC guidelines, and they are taking safety extremely serious. And they're going to give you that peace of mind that when you're either in Pella's showroom or a Pella employee is inside your home working on your windows or your doors, everyone is safe. And they're even offering temporary special financing options. So safety, check. Potential savings, check. So now is the time. I'm sure you've been cooped up in your house and you realize, my God, I need some new windows. My windows need some updating. So make it happen. Add value to your home. Make your home more energy efficient. And turn your window and door modeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out on the web. PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. All right. 
back to the podcast. You you bring up no no crowd or or limited a very limited crowd. How does that impact your job? I mean, because there's the whole hey, let it breathe, let the let the the crowd, let the noise uh, kind of tell the tale, all that stuff. But do you are are you planning to adjust? Are you planning to do what you do? Are you going to kind of feel it out? How does no crowd impact you? I, I've thought about it a lot, and I actually had a conversation with Jason Benetti, who's been doing a yep. lot of baseball games without crowd, and and he gave a good suggestion, which I've I've done is call a couple of things at home yeah. with no crowd, you know, basically yeah. put a game on and call it for a little while and see what it's like. And I, and I still think even with that, it's going to take just a, a feel moment when you're in the moment, no because doubt. yeah, you're trained and you train yourself to let's let the crowd fill in here, the crowd shots and the images and the noise. Those are, I, I love doing that. That's one of my favorite things about doing TV is that I can, not talk right. and the crowd. Did. So I'm not sure if it's not going to lean a little more towards my radio call on some of those things. Okay. Um, I think it might, but it's going to, you know, I just lay out for 10 seconds after a touchdown. There's nothing to lay out to. Right. I mean, so, you know, if you lay out, you're almost saying, Hey, by the way, there's nobody here. So if you do that, you're, then you're kind of drawing attention to the fact that it isn't normal and that it is weird. And we all know it's not, but if you lay out and you know you hear a cricket chirping in the background, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not so exactly good. what you're looking for. So the the the, the feel will be interesting. I'm I'm going to call with the same level of enthusiasm sure. that I always do. I think that's important. I, I think you need to bring the energy because the crowd isn't there to do that. So it's going to be up to me to bring that energy. And there are a lot of things I can struggle with from time to time. Bringing the energy is not one of the things I will struggle. Right. Do you, I've always felt like, and the last question on nerding out with broadcasting stuff, because I'm loving this, but I've always felt like <laughs> with with radio, like football radio play-by-play, the play-by-play guy's more the star of the show, you know, because you have to, yeah. like you have to paint the picture. TV, it's more because there you can see it, the analyst kind of rises up more and is more of a stars, maybe not the right word, but it's more of an analyst medium than it is than, than radio. Is that how you see it? Because you've done NFL uh, for radio for a long time. Now you're going over TV. Do you, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like that's kind of the case? hundred percent. My my job is to hit a home run on the big plays. Yep. So I've got to be able to hit the, hit the big call for when it happens. That's what I need to do. And, and I, that's, I mean, hit the highlight basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but my main job is to set up the analyst to con- to have a conversation about football and about the game that all of us are participating in, whether it's Chris and I, and Chris and you, and I mean, we're, I want you at home to be engaged in the conversation just like I am in the booth. Cause I'm going to try to, you know, pull some stuff out of Chris football wise that helps all of us understand or it gives us things to look for more than not. For example, one of the things that we're going to talk about, here's a preview. Um, San Francisco is one of the best play action teams in the national football league. They're, they're excellent at it. It's a big Kyle Shanahan thing mm-hmm. that you run play action. And Chris always talks about how as a player and Matt Millen talked about this as well. So it's something that both of them learned playing as linebackers play action sounds different. So it sounds different on the field. You can hear the way the pads pop, the way guys move, whatever it is, it sounds different. Interesting. We're thinking maybe without crowd, right. you're going to be able to hear that a little bit. 
wow. as a viewer at home this year. Yeah. And so one of the things we want to get into a little bit is can we hear the play action? And can we show that to you? Because Matt always has told me, and now Chris the same way, that he knew play action was coming because he could hear it rather than see it. Wow. He goes, you know, quarterbacks and running backs lie. I was Matt, Matt always talks about how they <laughs> lie. Offensive linemen don't lie. They got to get to where they got to get to. And there's a lot of, a lot of mass moving around there. So he would talk about offensive linemen and hearing play action. And Chris brought that up again the other day. And so we're going to try to see if, even with the piped in audio that they're going to have in these empty stadiums, can you hear play action like you would on the field? Cause he's the only one in that booth who's going to know specifically what you're listening for. Wow. That's and interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated to see if we can, we don't know if we can or not. I mean, right. I have no idea, right? This is all new, but this is something there's no way if there were 75,000 people in there, you'd be able to do. There's just no, no. way. Right. So these are things we're going to try to, you know, you got to think a little bit, and I hate to say outside the box because it's such a cliche term, but you kind of do. I mean, you kind of got to think about things that are not normal in a game that's not normal during not normal times. And so that's one of the things that we're hoping nerd out TV wise, that maybe our audio will be able to pick that up so that Chris can say, listen to this. This is what you listen for as a player. And you hear, you know, a grunt or a move or something. And he can go, that's how I knew it was play action when I played. Cause I could hear that guy do that to me. If we can hear that, that's going to be fascinating. And I think it's a fascinating conversation either way, but I cannot wait to see if it shows up on Sunday because I would love to illustrate that or have Chris illustrate yeah. it for everybody at home. Yeah, I mean, you, you just said it's even even if you, let's say you can't totally pick it up with audio, even Chris saying that is interesting and and yeah. and knowing that is interesting. So that's, God, that's cool. I'll be, I'm going to tune in and make sure I try and – See if I can can pick up on that. You know, okay, Kev, we're about a half hour in. I want to talk about Big Ten college basketball? John Thompson, get you out of yep. here. But uh, real quick, give me the NFL big picture storylines. Is there one? I mean, to me, it's Brady in the box. Like I'm just fast. Like Tom Brady not in New England to me is just like I got it. That's must see TV for me. Is there one storyline that rises above the rest for for the NFL? To, to me, it's who can be good with this weird off season. Right. And I, I think it's teams that come back with experience and key positions that have the chance to be really good out of the gate. You know, I, I look at, you want people wonder why it's Fitzpatrick starting in Miami, for example, as opposed to going with Tua right out of the gate. I think that's one of the reasons why, because he has a ton of experience and you had no preseason. So everything's been weird. You saw Navy on Monday night. They didn't hit, they didn't do anything. And they looked terrible. And their yeah. coach was, apologetic afterwards as a result because he said, I didn't handle this well. This was not the way we should have done this, but we didn't hit because we didn't want to take the chance of COVID. Is how teams handled their preseason or lack thereof in the NFL, I think is the biggest storyline of this entire year. Can you go through this without – Oh, I mean, look, the Arizona Cardinals may have 10 new starters on Sunday from where they started the season last year. Now, they weren't a great team last year. Does a second year for Kyler Murray – but Coach Kingsbury, does that help as they move into this season? I think it does. I think Arizona's going to have a chance to make some big strides this year and be one of the more improved teams in the NFC. Now, Brady and the Bucks, I think, is a fascinating story. There's a ton of offensive firepower. How have they meshed? Yeah. Has, has a lack of a preseason hurt their development? I, I think that's one thing that's going to bear watching as we move through the season. In Kansas City, I feel like the Chiefs are in a great spot because they return almost everybody. 
So if you return almost everybody from a year ago, same this was kind of the same way. If you return almost everybody from a year ago and you were really good a year ago, it seems to me that you've got a chance to be really good again because you haven't changed while other teams in the league have. So I love the Chiefs this year as a team that can make another run to the Super Bowl, if nothing else because the consistency carried over from last year's Super Bowl team to this year with very little chance of that roster. All right, Kev, Big Ten football. Rank the rank these Big Ten football start dates from most likely to least likely. So I'll give you mid-October, Thanksgiving, and then around January 1st. So mid-October, Thanksgiving, around January 1st. Most likely to least likely. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I would say most likely is around Thanksgiving. Okay. Least likely is the October date, and the January date is probably the, the date in between. Got it. I think the I think the one that would make the most sense if you want to really have a season of meaning of any kind is the October date, obviously, because then you can still participate in a college football playoff. You can still participate in the awards, the bowls, all the other stuff that's going on. It's going to be very hard in January for a Big Ten season to get started while the college football playoff is getting started as well. That's going to be a hard sell. And that's why I don't put that one at the top. Um, uh, to me, that if you're gonna if you're gonna do Thanksgiving, you have to really examine can you do something in October. Yeah. Um, but I understand the appeal of Thanksgiving. Campuses are going to be empty. You're not going to have to worry about any of that. It's one of the reasons why college basketball is probably going to start around that time is because you have the chance to create your own bubble without the criticism that comes from playing sports when there's nobody on campus because you've sent everybody home because of the pandemic or you didn't do in-person learning to begin with. So to me, that Thanksgiving date, I know why it's appealing to administrators is because you don't have to worry about any of that. They're not on campus anyway. So you just have the guys there. They're on campus as a, as the norm anyway, because most are getting ready for a bowl game. So it's not a big deal to have them there during that time. And you play your season. Then that way you've, got your opportunity to get TV revenue and, and give the guys some sort of season. But I don't know what you do with the rest of your fall sports. Do they just all bump to spring? I, I, that's a question nobody's asking. It's all focused on football. What happens with volleyball? I mean, you've got volleyball teams that are playing in the Big 12, ACC, and SEC this year. I realize the Big 10 and Pac-12 are volleyball powers, but what do you do with those teams? They're, they're going to play a spring championship. Does everybody just get to wait now yeah. that's playing in the fall? I, there's a lot of questions that haven't been answered, and I'm I'm anxious to see if those answers are coming anytime soon. You you know you hope decision makers are doing what they think is is right, regardless of of maybe what other people are doing. But how influential do you think these other you know we talk, Big Twelve is going to start and ACC is going to start this weekend, SEC September 26th. How influential? And how influenced do you think these Big Ten decision makers are going to be once these thing these other leagues get off the ground? Because I think it's easy to say they'll be like, ah, we're gonna we're, we'll kick off at Thanksgiving. Well, it's easy to say that when Clemson hasn't played and LSU hasn't played and Oklahoma hasn't played. Do you think there's gonna be some some pressure once these other leagues get off the ground? I, I do. I think it makes it more difficult. And I think that pressure will be felt from all spectrums. You've seen it already in the political arena whether it be from the president on down, there's been a lot of political pressure on Big Ten leaders and, and to a certain extent Pac-12 leaders to get things going, but not as much Pac-12, obviously, because there's more political stakes, I guess you could say, in an election yep. year 
in the Big Ten states. So I'm, I, that's why it's political. You can claim anything you want, but the reason it's political is because we're in an election year and those are swing states. Um, the remainder of that is I think there's a certain amount of pressure put on by coaches and athletic directors, especially if those leagues are able to pull it off successfully. I mean, if you look, if you get into mid-October and all of a sudden these leagues are either shutting down or they have cancellation after cancellation after cancellation, well, then you go, okay, yeah, we tried, but it didn't work. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 look like they've done the real good job of due diligence and making sure everybody was safe while these other teams powered, tried to power through and couldn't. So right. you have that aspect of as it goes along, if it continues to be played, it becomes more of a challenge for those leagues that opted out to watch the league. It, look, it, the, the scenario that I'm sure, it's never going to be said publicly, but the scenario that I'm sure worries folks the most in the leagues that aren't playing is a successful play of a fall season because then what do you do? Right. I mean, if you if there's a fall season that's played to completion, they have Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma and somebody getting ready for a college football playoff, and you're rolling out with the start of your regular season, that's, that's a tough sell. Yeah, that's a really, really hard sell, and I don't know that you can sell it. Um, that's going to be tricky. So as the, the, what bears watching is not the start of these seasons, but how they progress. Right. I, I have no doubt they're going to start. Everybody's going to start. But where are we in mid-October? Are we still playing football in all three of those leagues? Then it becomes very interesting to see what kind of pressure, if there is any, is put on at that point. Best guess for college basketball structure of what we'll see, at least initially maybe. I think there's, by all, all signs are pointing to a start date of November 25th. How do you see it? Do you think we'll see conference bubbles at the gate? Do you think we'll maybe see with this new rapid testing that you know you, it, you see more traditional-looking schedules with non-con games on campus and all that what's your what's your best guess as we sit here on september 8th at uh at about eleven thirty in the morning yeah it, it's hard to guess in these uh in these times because things move quickly but the rapid testing advancements are obviously very big not only for college football but certainly for college basketball because there's still two months plus for those to get even more out there to have more opportunities to sign deals with labs and leagues and everything else so the the rapid testing that will allow you to basically, before a game, sit everybody down, run through a test, go, all right, we're clean, you've got a bubble, you can play, and it allows the non-conference teams to test as well. It's not going to be a big deal. If they're five bucks a test, right. like is being reported, it's not a big deal in basketball for a Creighton to drop another 100 bucks <laughs> to make sure that Oral Roberts tests clean. Yep. So you, you drop those tests in their locker room, they're, they test clean before the game, Everybody's good. You play basketball with no worries. Right. So the fact that that's out there now and in two and a half months is going to be out there even more as more labs do this and more companies do this. You know, the free market capital system is nothing if not consistent. It's going to do where there's a demand. And if there's a demand for these tests, by golly, they're going to be out there for them. So it's not going to be something that the leagues are going to turn down. That's, that's, I think that's the biggest change in all of the college sports talk is – the fact that rapid testing, quick testing, cheap testing is now available. It gives you that – you remove that worry about liability if you're an administrator because you know these guys are likely clean of, the, of this COVID thing. So you don't have to worry about that. So I think you could see, especially with students not on campus during that time, I think you could see non-conference games played in essentially mini-bubbles, not even 
having to bubble. You've just bubbled because you've tested everybody in this spot and everybody's clear. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to make the bubble necessarily. Everybody's just tested. And if, look, the two broadcasters who are coming in to do the game, they test. They're clean. Great. Everybody's set. And we play as normal. I could see that being a case when we get to November. All right. You you bring up, we're we're talking college basketball, uh, gosh, about a little over a week ago now. Uh, there was the passing of a, a legend in the college basketball world, and that's John Thompson. Um, and you, you're—he's a guy that you worked with during the NCAA tournament for for quite some time. I know you've told this story, I, but I—I because I, I, I heard you tell it. Can you tell the George Bush story one more time with uh, with with John Thompson for my audience? Because I think it's a pretty cool story. It, it really is a cool story, and I was fortunate to be part of it. Um, but yeah, I worked with Coach Thompson from 2008. On and was supposed to do the Final Four with him again this year. Yet another one of 2020's yeah. disappointments. No Final Four and no chance to work with Coach Thompson, which turns out would have been the last time I got to do that. So last year was the last time, as it turns out, that I had that. But in 2010, we were down at the Final Four in Houston. And, of course, that's, that's George Bush territory, his father and the younger George Bush. This was H.W., the, the vice president of Ronald Reagan and then the one-term president before Bill Clinton, and his wife, Barbara Bush. They were at the game. And we were sitting courtside as always. And Coach Thompson, I mentioned something about, oh, President President Bush and Barbara Bush are here. And he said, you know, I, I, I've had a picture with every president. And I think he said from Ford on, but I, that's that's the only area I'm not quite sure of. But somewhere from Ford on, I have a picture with every president. He's, that's the one president I've never been able to get my picture taken with. I never had the chance to meet him. And he was kind of, you know, he mentioned it a couple more times. And I said, well, Coach, at halftime, I'd be happy to walk over there with you and then take a picture. You'd do that? I said, well, of course I would, because selfishly, I wanted a picture with the president as well. <laughs> so I was, you know, this was, I was being nice, but at the same time, I'm like, I want to yeah. take a picture of the president. I've never met a president, so let's do this. So we, at halftime, walk over, and as we get over there, and, you know, I saw no secret service at all. I mean, H.W. was a little more frail at this point, but he had not completely moved into the wheelchair totally. Um, Barbara was very vibrant and full of life. And she came up to coach Thompson. She gave him this giant hug, told him how proud they were of him. She was so excited to see him. She was so happy to have the chance to meet him. And they were so proud of him and so proud of all the work he had done. And, and then the president, you know, slowly stood up and shook his hand and, I took their pictures and then I asked Mr. President, Mr. Bush, if I could take a picture and he was kind enough to oblige. And I, he did not seem as overjoyed with taking a picture <laughs> with me as he did coach Thompson, which is surprising. Uh, but he, uh, he took the picture with us and that was very nice. And, and we walked back and coach Thompson was very thankful and he thanked me for coming over with him. And I of course was thrilled. And we get in the car the next morning after the game, this was the Monday championship game. We get in the car happened to have the same car going to the airport for the early flight. He was still doing a talk show in Washington, D.C., so he was trying to get back to his talk show. And he's in the front seat, and I'm in the middle of this van. And he starts talking about how he can't believe how nice President and Mrs. Bush were towards him. I can't believe how nice they were to me. And, and, I, and I, at the time, I said, well, I, I was very confused, and so I didn't really say much because this was only my third year working with him, and I didn't want to do anything to you know, poke the bear, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, they were, yeah, they were very nice. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, here's a man who had lived through segregation, had worked his way up, was such a rarity when he became a head coach, an African-American coach in a 
school that had no interest in basketball at that point. I mean, they were not even an afterthought. Georgetown was a nothing. And he made them something. And he became this larger-than-life figure to the point where he told me one time that he was walking down the street of Washington, D.C. The presidential motorcade came by. The motorcade stopped in the middle of the street in Washington, D.C. The door opened. Bill Clinton, who is the president of the United States, got out of the car, walked over to say hi to John Thompson. He noticed him as they were driving along. This is the figure that John Thompson cut in a city full of famous people. He forced the president to stop his car to get out and say hi. I mean, of course, to the president, just I want to say hi to this man. So he walked out and saw John Thompson. And I thought, you know, this is a man who had gone from segregation to having presidents of the United States bend over backwards to be kind to him and nice to him and, and take pictures with him. And, I, and it, it, it took me a while, because again, I'm not real bright, but it <laughs> took me a while to realize that's why he was so blown away by the fact that they were so nice to him, right. is that he had lived this whole landscape of his life going from where, where we were as a country at that point to where, and his personal experience, to where he was then having pictures with presidents. I mean, it had to be almost surreal, even for a man who had done as much as he had done, to look back on those moments and say, how about that? Yeah. I mean, I've gone from this to this in the span of my lifetime. And I, I was, I found myself both sad and encouraged, if that makes any sense yeah. by that. that sad right. that, that, the, that the man had to live that to begin with, encouraged by the fact that he got to experience a better side of it. Right. And, you know, that's obviously the hope for everybody is that we, everybody gets to experience that better side of it. And it doesn't just come with being a famous basketball coach, but it was, it was one of those things that has stuck with me ever since. Obviously it's one of the memories that I cherish the most of my final fours. And I, I still look back at that picture of, of me with president Bush and kind of, half standing, half not, because again, he was, he was, he was in his declining years. But, um, I think about that often. And that's one of the real yeah. lessons that I took from John Thompson in my time with him. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the few coaches whose impact off the, the court pretty much equals or probably surpasses what he did on the court. And I mean, what he did on the court, you know, first African-American coach to, to win a national championship and, you know, you think about the the path that he played. There probably is no John Cheney or Leonard Hamilton or whoever, like, or or the progress to arriving at the, those coaches becoming head coaches as African Americans w either would have been greatly slowed down, or you maybe wouldn't have seen. You know, I mean, the the trail that he blazed in a lot of different ways is just it's amazing. You know, and I'm I'm, I'm sure of all the guys that you've gotten to work with, you know, you you can never be too starstruck when you're you know you're having to call a game with someone, but. Be a pretty. That's a pretty amazing figure to share a headset with, man. I mean, that guy is a. He's a legend, man. It's, it's, you, I know we use that word a little loosely now, but that is a legendary human being. His his legacy and his impact will last far beyond 2020, the year of his passing. I, I mean, you'll you'll see it for years to come. You'll it'll be carried forward in guys like you mentioned Leonard Hamilton. It'll be carried forward in guys like Ed Cooley, Ed Cooley who yeah. coaches at the school that John Thompson attended. I mean, yeah. a man who is, in my estimation, one of the best college basketball coaches we have mm -hmm. and one of the funniest college basketball <laughs> coaches we have. I know you know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, 
that legacy for Coach Thompson is one that resonates so loudly, not just at Georgetown where his protege, Patrick Ewing, is the head coach, but throughout the landscape of college basketball. It's a, it's a, it's a big, big loss for college basketball. It's a big loss for us at Western Women Sports because he was yeah. such a part of those broadcasts. And it's, it's a loss for me. I'm, I am going to miss hearing him call me an MFer, which is how I knew I had made it with John Thompson, is that instead of saying, hey, baby, he would call me, what are you doing here, you MFer? And then I was like, all right, I've made it. And, that, and when I saw Allen Iverson on the day of his death tweet that he wished that he had, he could hear him call him an MFer one more time, yeah. because that's always how he would answer the phone, uh, I thought... Holy cow. I did. I, cause I always knew, I knew when I graduated to being called an MFR that I had you graduated to the level of I'm accepted by John Thompson now. That's awesome. And when I saw Alan <laughs> Iverson tweet that I had almost choked me up. I'm like, oh, wow. Man. I mean, I, I had the same, I got the same greeting as Alan Iverson. Right? Did. I, feel, I felt pretty good about How that. About and that? yeah, that's it. I'll miss him. Yeah, it's I, I just I love that George Bush story, man. I wanted to have you tell it one more time. Uh, all right, he's Kevin Kugler, newest member of Fox uh, NFL TV. Uh, man, Kevin, I, I know I text you a bunch. I'm so happy for you. You're gonna kill it, Arizona, San Francisco this week. I will be watching, and uh, best of luck uh, throughout this season, man. We'll catch up soon, all right, buddy. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online, on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Rubza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese runs are delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. Production.